Well, that's the way I feel this morning. I feel, and of course, somebody said, as old as you are, you ought to be proud to be any place. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's true. But anyway, I am uh, glad to be here. Some years, it's been years ago uh, now, I uh, decided that if somebody would ask me how I feel, I would respond with excellent or fantastic, that one or the other. If I used excellent, usually I say I'm excellent, but I'm going to get better. I'm, and so uh, I went into this uh, Moto filling station, and uh, the clerk, which I knew very casually, uh, had met her at a barbecue, one of the neighbors or that kind of thing, and uh, she said, well, how are, you, how are you doing today? And I said, fantastic. And uh, she, she said with some sense of ref self-reflection, she said, boy, I wished I could say that. And I kind of leaned on the counter, looked her right in the eye and go, fantastic. <laughs> and of course, by the second syllable, she's laughing uproariously uh, at that. And I, I hope and pray that her life is now caught up with her words. But I do try to do that, uh, to, to try to uh, look at the bright side. This morning, I want to talk to you uh, about a life worth living. In uh, e the book of Ephesians, it, uh, Paul says that I, I want your life to be worthy of the calling you have received. I want your life to be... And the way that word worthy is used there and what it means is that your life should weigh the same as your calling. So whatever God has called you to do and to be, Paul's prayer is that your life would weigh the same as that. You know, like the balance scales, you've seen those? That's the way the word is used, okay? Okay. But your life on one side, that is what's really going on, and your calling on the other side, where the person God has called you to be and the life that he wants you to live, you put that on the scale, it should balance out. Well, that's a tough job, amen? Yeah. Now, Ephesians is to the New Testament what Joshua is to the Old Testament. If you're, if you're familiar with Joshua, Joshua is about victory and uh, overcoming. And that's what the book of Ephesians is about, about victory and overcoming. Uh, Joshua led the people up right next to the promised land, and there at the river, he said, Now you all look across there. See that land over there? That's yours. And, of course, they crossed the river, and they, and they took the land. Uh, my son was going to coach a basketball team of little girls. I don't know why anybody would do that. <laughs> I, I, was, I didn't tell him at the time, but I was proud of him to take on such a job. But he did something that ingenious. Now, don't correct me, son, with this, okay? All right? <coughs> and, he, and his little girl was on, on you know, my granddaughter, Taylor. Was, was on the team. And this is what he did. He took the basketball and he told the girls, here's your ball. That's your ball. If anybody takes it from you, you go get it back. <laughs> <laughs> They're great, isn't it? I mean, what a great idea. 
look over at the promised land, that's yours. You go take it back. That's yours. Now, the promised land is not heaven, okay? I, it's, it's not a picture of heaven. I know people do that, and I've sang those songs myself, and they're okay and all that kind of stuff. Not a picture of heaven. It is a picture of the abundant life. Thank you. You see, you got life back there in Egypt when the shedding of the blood. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But now you're going to step into the abundant life. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, right? You, you may be living, but you're not living with a capital L yet. And we want to live fully, what that is with a capital L. So let's start with Jesus calling people to life, okay? Um, that's in, um, I'll try to keep track of this, okay? It's in, actually it's in Matthew Mark, Mark 1, 16 through 17. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Wow. Now, that's not amazing necessarily to say that. What's amazing is they did it. That's amazing that you could come along. Now, I know that uh, John uh, paints a little more picture there, has them being disciples of John the Baptist first. Okay, just, but just a little information. And then Luke adds a little bit to that uh, with uh, Jesus using his boat and then, then catch a fish and then they, but still, come follow me, and they actually do it. That, to me, that's just amazing. Now, most of us enter, which we talked about just a minute ago, through the gate of salvation. Most of us enter the path through the gate of salvation. That's the way I did it. I'm 12 years old, roughly 12, 11, 12 years old. My mom and dad sent me to, to church, and those good men in church tried to tame us, number one, <laughs> this rowdy bunch of, of boys, tried to tame us, and then on top of that, they tried to teach us something about the gospel and about them great old Bible stories. And about 11 or 12, I said, you know, I probably need that. I mean, that's, pretty, that's a no-brainer, I know. I probably need that. I need that forgiveness of God and Jesus Christ. And so I believed in him dying for me and being buried and raised again, and then I followed him in baptism. But it really didn't mean much, okay? And so that's, that's kind of where I entered that gate. And then around 1965, I felt like I need to make Jesus Lord in my life. I'm not exactly sure about how that happened, okay? You know, maybe life felt like it was getting out of control for me or or whatever, and I needed to make, but the difference is, I'm not a little boy anymore. I'm a young man, and I'm looking for an adventure. And I join the adventure of living and following Jesus Christ. They responded, that is, Peter 
and Andrew responded to Jesus because there was something in them, something that they sat around the campfire at night and they felt unfulfilled and uneasy. It was like a splitter in their mind that they couldn't get out. They may not have been able to articulate it and to talk about it, but it was there. And it was waiting for Jesus to come along and say, come, follow me. And they, they left the nets. They left their father. They left the business. They left the boats. They left those stinking fish. They just left it behind and followed Jesus Christ. What would cause people to do But you know, people do that all the time. People do it. Yeah. Uh, do we have uh, Shackleton's advertisement here? If you, has anybody heard of Shackleton? Yeah, great, great adventure, right? Uh, Going to uh, traverse the South Pole, and except the ship got caught in the ice and the, and the ice crunched it, and uh, they uh, had to leave it. And him and five crew members went 800 miles on the ocean, a rough ocean, uh, to uh, get help. And they got it, and they all and they all lived. They'll live, but it's a great event. This is his advertisement that was run in the London Times. Men wanted for hazardous journey. Small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, <laughs> honor and recognition in case of success. The amazing thing, people showed up. There's something in us that craves for that adventure and that challenge of life and something that God put in there. It's almost like these guys couldn't tell Jesus no because God had prepared them in such a way to say yes. And so it is with us. Sometimes we sit around unfulfilled and uneasy and we need something in our life. The world is full of them. Christopher Columbus, how about that? I got the go to Barcelona and, and see the statue of Christopher Columbus, and he's pointing out that way. I, I'm not sure what direction he points, but, <laughs> but, yeah, but what it is to, to, to leave the harbor and go out, and, and they go out into a, a place they have never, they see the unseen, and then they do the impossible. I, it's just amazing you're amazing. All of us will wait on that. Okay, yeah. Now, my second point is there will be a fight. This, this is going to be hard, hard for me to preach on, okay? Although I, I got a little support on that, okay? Uh, and, and I just want you to understand, in, in the book of Ephesians, he tries to get you ready for the fight. You know the full gospel armor? Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe... Read some of that, okay? Stand firm with the belt of truth. There's part of your... Now, you don't have to be truthful with everybody. No. No, you don't. Matter of fact, some people you better not be truthful for. We'll talk about that a little later. Okay, yeah. 
But with yourself and with God, be ruthlessly honest. True. Okay, I'm not going to preach on all these, by the way. I'm just going to, we're just going to make sure that we know that they're there. Okay, I'm, that's another sermon. Okay. Uh, a breastplate of righteousness, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all that, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So you've got offensive weapons and you've got defense. Now, Paul wants you to get dressed. He wants you to get dressed in that. Okay? That's your dress. Well, you, you know you're going to go to battle because that's what that is. This was the greatest fighting person known in that time, a Roman soldier. Everybody knew that picture. And they were tough. And they would kill you. They would hurt you bad and not think a thing about it. Okay? Now, he says, now that's your dress. Now, we better say here. Do, do we have that slide, I think, the next one? Uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and... Yeah, we do not struggle against flesh and blood. Right? Yeah, okay, good. Uh, but against powers and principalities, we're going to address some of them. Okay? But you don't wrestle... Your neighbor's not your enemy. Turn to the person next to you. Make them feel uncomfortable. Look at them and say, you're not my enemy. You're not my enemy. I may have an enemy, but you're not it. Okay? All right. Now, let's, let's try to see if we can identify fighting. Because we're all dressed up to fight. And there is a fight. Let's see if we can do it. Okay? And let's use Jesus as the example. He is our example. Amen? Our, our, our best example ever is Jesus. And I'm, he faced at least three temptations. I know there were others. But we have a record, I think, of three major temptations that he faced in his life. Let's see how he handles them. Okay? Uh, the first one is the desert temptation that he goes out into the desert. As soon as he's baptized, boy, I love this picture, to be honest with you. It took me a long time to even get any idea what was going on, okay? But I love the picture. He's baptized. As soon as he's baptized, goes right out to the desert to be tempted. You know, okay? That's the way it works. I didn't know that when I first read it, but that's the way it works. Let me tell you something. Let's say... That, that you're not living the best life you can. We're, we're, we'll, we're talking about that as we go. All right? Say that. All right? You're not. But you decide the day that you're going to. And so you make that commitment to God, and you're serious about it, and you're honest about it, everything. Do you know every demon in hell will know your first name if you do that? And they can't wait to get you. And, 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 and some people just call that a test to see if you mean business, whatever it is. But I just want to tell you, you make a good decision, you're going, all hell breaks loose. So here comes the devil to tempt Jesus, right? Oh, well, we turn the stones into bread, huh? 
okay? Jesus answers that with Scripture. Amen? Oh, let me see. Throw you down from the temple. And Jesus answered that with Scripture. He doesn't do it. Okay, now here. How many questions are there? How many possible questions can you ask? Better saying this, how many possible questions could the devil ask? Let's say a million. I mean, questions are, they're, they're just that. They're just questions. You can just keep blurting them out. Here, have another one. Gonna cope with that. Do you don't think he really wants to understand what the text actually means, do you? No. What if this is just a delaying tactic? Keep busy dealing, Jesus dealing with this so he don't go on with his calling. Well, finally, Jesus says, be gone. Yeah, you know what? Okay. And what, you know what he means by that? Oh, this is over. I can't tell you how much this is over. They're just things you just have to say no to. And Jesus would tell you this by let the dead bury the dead. No man sets their hand to the plow and, and so on. Amen? Don't, some, don't dilly-dally with that. Get on with the business. And that is your calling. Second temptation. Let's see. Uh, the, the example of Jesus is uh, Simon Peter. Comes, uh, Jesus uh, talks plainly. I think that we have that one too. Uh, that text, I think we have up there. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, then Jesus began, uh, said, the son of man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and teachers of the law, and be killed. After the three days, he'll uh, rise again. He spoke plainly about this. Now, you know, some folks just can't stand plain talk. And I don't suggest it all the time either. Okay, guys and gals, right? Right, right, right. Okay. But here, Jesus is talking plainly to them, which means he probably didn't always talk like this, right? Okay, but he figured, but he's trying to prepare them, trying to get them ready for the difficulties that are ahead. Well, Simon Peter ain't have none of this. So he tells Jesus, don't talk like that. And it's, it looks like he gets in the way of Jesus, almost like blocking his road. And says, so you got to, you know, it amazes me. This is off the record, right? <laughs> the, the people that think they know the best, know the least. Have you ever noticed that? And here, here he is going to tell Jesus, no, don't be talking like that. Don't be doing that. He knows, or he thinks he knows, better about what Jesus should be doing Then Jesus knows himself, and here's a little sidebar. When it comes to Jesus, 
usually you keep quiet and let him tell you. Just an idea. See if that would work for you. You, you got it? Okay. Don't be telling him what he ought to do, what he ought to say, and what he ought to be. You be quiet. Let him tell you. He'll tell you who he is, and he will also tell you who you are. Hey, that, now, now you're getting some. Uh, so, so you, this is peer pressure. This is, and don't overlook this now. Please don't overlook this. That this is Jesus Christ's best friend on planet Earth. And he's rejecting him. You have to do this if you're going to live this life. You have to learn how to deal with peer pressure. Here was my first, here was my first one with peer pressure, okay? I'm on the railroad. You come back, your guys, you know, five-man crew, you come back. Well, you go by the tavern and have a few beers. Well, we'll just have, we'll have a beer, okay? And it usually turns into five, six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and they, they want you there. You know, we're buddies, you know. And, and it's not all that evil. I'm not trying to say that, okay? But I can't do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. I got a young family at home. I got an education I need to get because I got a calling, Amen. I got more important things to do. The greatest job I had was the strength to hold that steering wheel straight when it went by the tavern. I got it. I got it. And I started to understand what real strength was about and how to deal with that peer pressure is so important. And Jesus did that. He, what does he do? Get behind me, Satan. You know, this, we, we, we don't need this. Just get behind me, Satan. Now, the last temptation of Jesus, and maybe the, the most brutal, was when he went to the garden. We, I think we have a slide on that, don't we? Yeah. Uh, they went to a place called Gethsemane. This is right before his, his arrest. Okay, uh, uh, and he said, sit while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Jesus was being crushed by the weight that had come upon him. Don't, don't make light of this, okay? This, this is tough for him, very tough. As a matter of fact, it says that it, it, it crushed him almost to the ground, this, this weight that he was carrying because of this, okay? And he sweat as it is, drops of blood. Uh, he sweat. Uh, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow at the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed, if possible, uh, the hour might pass from him. Now, what's the hour? That's his calling. The death on the cross and everything he's going to suffer. Yes, there's resurrection on the other end of that, but don't make light of what's going to happen to him. Going to be, thank you. It's going to be arrested, and it's going to be brutally treated. 
uh, and it's going to be awful. And, of course, he's saying, if there's any way, Abba Father said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. And, of course, the cup is another way of saying his calling and his purpose in life and the life that God has laid out for him. And he said, what? Let this pass from me. This, trying to find a way to circumvent that, to get around it in some way. But thank God at the end of that, he acquiesced to, the, to, to God and he, he went on uh, to die in our behalf. But that was a tremendous difficult time. And you have, when you have those times in your life, you have to learn to deal with them in some way. There will be a fight. If Jesus had to fight like that, you will too in some form. You'll have to fight that way. Amen? I don't know. All right. We good up to now? Let's do the conclusion, okay? I want you to commit your life to Jesus Christ if you haven't done that. I hope you're saved. You enter by the gate of salvation. That's fine. That's fine. But to commit your life. Now, I'm going to make an argument for you to commit your life to Jesus Christ, okay? I'm going to, I'm going to, you, you know what I mean by argument? I'm going to try to convince you that this is the thing you should do is to commit your life to Jesus Christ. First of all, because you owe it to God. I know it got quiet in here, dear. You owe it to God. You are bought with a price. You are not your own. He bought and paid for you. You belong to him and you ought to consult him about your life and the kind of life that you should lead. On top of that, I want to remind you that you are like the pearl of great price. I know we usually don't think of it that way, but it's true. God saw you. He saw the mess you were in, and he sent his son to save you. He paid the greatest price possible for you. You're the pearl of great price. You're the treasure found in a field. You are so valuable that Jesus bought the whole field just to get you. That's how valuable you are. Your life ought to be subjected to his call because it will be the very best thing that can happen to you. Number one, you owe it to God. Number two, you owe it to yourself. Let me explain this. I'm going to try to explain. This is probably the hardest concept to get. Okay, we have uh, Romans uh, 12, 1 and 2 here. Everybody knows this text. Therefore, I urge you, uh, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, uh, l l let's say... Just try to visualize this for a minute with me, will you? you? You look at yourself. Let's say you commit today as best you can everything to follow a God. You, know, you commit today to do that. 
what might you look like next year? Or five years? What might you look like? Can you picture you fully committed for five years? What would you look like? Who would you be if you were fully committed to God for five years? What would you be? Just try to come up with something. You owe it to do that and be that person. You sacrifice who you are today to be the person God is calling you to be five years from now. Do you see what I mean? You sacrifice today to be that other person whom God has called you to be or that you will become over the uh, period of time. I know that's a little bit hard to get, but please try to try to capture that. You owe it to yourself to do the best you can. I, I always teach people by saying, them, but I mean, there's a lot of truth in it. Okay, take good care of yourself because we want to do this a long time. Take good care of yourself because you've got something to be in the future. Amen? You owe it to yourself to be your best self. Why would you want anything less? Oh, I just want an ordinary life. Yeah, okay, good luck. <laughs> Happy with that. I don't want an ordinary life. Which brings me to the next, to the next point, okay? This is, we, we usually don't talk like this, but here we are. You owe it to the world. Now, Jesus is our example, right? It's just, I'll just ask a little crazy question here. Do you think the world is better off because Jesus lived? <laughs> I know I'm better off because he lived and because he died and because he rose again. Well, sure. And you know the richest place you can find on planet Earth is a cemetery. Just think. Just think of how many dreams have died and went to the cemetery. How many books have not been written and have gone to the cemetery. That book came to that author and has every right to plead its case, and he did nothing, and he died. And that book died with him, or her. How many songs, how many paintings need to be created? I always try to encourage you to do your painting. You, you know, because it's so important what you do. It's a, the world needs you. I, I, I know sometimes it's hard for us to talk like that, you know, because of little old me, and I, I get that. Okay, I'm, I'm on the board with that. And, but still, you have something that nobody else can deliver to planet Earth. You have a special calling that nobody else can fulfill except you. And if you don't do it, Oh, the worst thing can happen, I'll tell you right now, is you go to the grave with the music in you. Don't you do that. You sing your song. You dance your, whatever it is, dance your dance, however you want to talk about this. Be the person God has called you to be. Let me just touch on this difference. Uh, hospital, is it time for me to quit? I'm, 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 not, I'm not trying. I, thank you, by the way. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> think, think about this. Think, think, think about this for just, just a second. 
There's a great hospital out here. Well, there's hospitals all over the place. Where'd that come from? Oh, they always been there. No, they haven't. They're there because some Christian thought it was a good idea to bring sick folks and healing together. I don't know what a premise that is. <laughs> That's a wonderful premise. How about orphanages? You think humanity's always cared for kids? No. Just look back in history. They didn't. But they do now. They do here. Where did that come from? Somebody thought it was a great idea to help these kids that don't have a home. Oh, what a great idea. And the list goes on. I mean, you can get this. How about schools and colleges? You know what colleges come from? They come from pastors to think people ought to be educated. What a unique idea. Educate people. There's a good idea. And so they started doing it. Pretty soon other people picked up on it. Oh, no. Christianity shouldn't back up nobody or for nobody. And the list goes on. I will, I will, I'll stop there with that. You owe it to God. You owe it to yourself. And you owe it to this world to be the very best person you can be. And God is calling you to that. He will empower you to become that person. That's the purpose. And you already have a lot of unique material already in you that calls you on that great adventure. Whatever you do, do not miss it. Amen? Amen. Oh, this stand. Okay. How you doing? Did you know I was over, Brian? Let's stand together. And uh, you know, he, he, he says if two or three of you gather together will agree, uh, I, I will perform it. If, if you need to make some changes, please. Uh, Joey's going to be here. And, uh, okay. Uh, and you can come up here and stay, or just turn around and stand. But just shake hands with somebody on an agreement of, of you making that decision for Jesus today. I'm going to do that myself, okay? I'm going to do that. I'll shake hands with both of them. I want to get the whole whole gist of it, okay? But, but however you need to close this, uh, close it, okay? I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. God bless. Thank you, Barry. Thank you, Barry. I can't think of a clearer oh, ever presentation of how to live the life that is worth hey, living, the life we are you. called to live. In just a second, the, the team's going to lead us in a closing song. And Fred, if you'll just close us out corporately in prayer. Will there be elders and leaders up front at the end of the service? Music will be playing quietly in the background after they close us in prayer. Please don't leave here today if there's any decision you want somebody to join you in prayer about. Uh, whether it's prayer of salvation or a prayer for healing, a prayer of financial provision, a prayer for your adult kids, your young kids, whatever it is you would like somebody to agree with you in prayer, Please come see someone up front. We'd love to pray with you.